Hi everybody, welcome to 2ZQ Hot Takes, where we discuss issues both big and small. I am your host, the very handsome Tim Kirk, and this time, I'll be talking about living with chronic pain. I can't tell you how many times I have heard this. You look okay to me. Well, thank you for that expert diagnosis. Personally, I have had more than a few doctors officially yeah, diagnose me as being a mess. Because I am. This is something I am conflicted talking about. I want to talk about it, and at the same time, I never want to talk about it. Chronic pain is a very personal experience and is very difficult to relate to others, especially those who do not experience it. I have had the experience of living with chronic pain since my teen years, and it can be quite the challenge. When you see someone who is walking a little slower, might not be in the best mood, or has a few issues that have arisen in the recent past that seem to have changed their physical appearance, their countenance, their level of patience, their cognition, their participation, and their demeanor, it really has a substantial chance of being the result of chronic pain. I'll be repeating a few points along the way, so please forgive me. From Wikipedia, chronic pain is pain that lasts a long time. Yeah. In medicine, the distinction between acute and chronic pain is sometimes determined by the amount of time since onset. Two commonly used markers are pain that continues at three months and six months since onset. But some theorists and researchers have placed the transition from acute to chronic pain at 12 months. How generous of them. Others apply the term acute pain that lasts less than 30 days, chronic pain of more than six months duration, and subacute pain that lasts from one to six months. A popular alternative definition of chronic pain involving no fixed duration is pain that extends beyond the expected period of healing. You bet. Chronic pain may originate in the body or in the brain or spinal cord. It is often difficult to treat. Yes, it is. Epidemiological studies have found that 8 to 11.2% of people in various countries have chronic widespread pain. Various non-opioid medicines are initially recommended to treat chronic pain, depending on whether the pain is due to tissue damage or is neuropathic. Psychological treatments include cognitive behavioral therapy and acceptance, and commitment therapy may be effective for improving quality of life in those with chronic pain. Oh, isn't that lovely? Some people with chronic pain may benefit from opioid treatments, while others can be harmed by it. In people with non-cancer pain, patients might try opioids only if there is no history of either mental illness or substance use disorder. Opioids for chronic pain should be stopped if they are not effective at treating the patient's pain. Severe chronic pain is associated with a decrease in the likelihood of survival over the next 10 years of a patient's life, particularly in patients with heart disease and respiratory disease. People with chronic pain tend to have higher rates of depression, but it is not clear whether the pain causes depression or whether 
depression causes the chronic pain. In my case, I just have chronic pain. Chronic pain can contribute to decreased physical activity due to fear of making the pain worse. Pain intensity, pain control, and resiliency to pain can be influenced by different levels and types of social support that a person with chronic pain receives. The International Association for the Study of Pain defines chronic pain as pain with no biological value that persists past normal tissue healing. The DSM-5 recognizes one chronic pain disorder, somatic symptom disorders. The criteria includes pain lasting longer than six months. The International Classification of Disease, 11th Revision, ICD-11, suggests seven categories for chronic pain. Chronic pain defined by three months of persistent pain in one or more regions of the body that is unexplainable by another pain condition. Chronic cancer pain, defined as cancer or treatment-related visceral or visceral within the internal organs, musculoskeletal or bony pain. Chronic post-traumatic pain, pain lasting three months after an injury or surgery, excluding infectious or pre-existing conditions. Chronic neuropathic pain, pain caused by damage to the somatosensory nervous system. Chronic headache or orofacial pain, pain that originates in the head or face or occurs for 50% or more days over a three-month period. Chronic visceral pain, pain originating in an internal organ. Chronic musculoskeletal pain, Pain originating in the bones, muscles, joints, or connective tissue. I think that's me. Chronic pain may be divided into nociceptive caused by inflamed or damaged tissue activating specialized pain sensors called nociceptors and neuropathic caused by damage to or malfunction of the nervous system. Isn't that nice? Nociceptive pain can be divided into superficial and deep and deep pain into deep somatic and visceral. Superficial pain is initiated by activating of nociceptors in the skin or superficial tissues. Deep somatic pain is initiated by stimulation of nociceptors in ligaments, tendons, bones, blood vessels, fascia, and muscles, and is dull, aching, and poorly localized pain. Visceral pain originates in the viscera, organs, Visceral pain may be well localized, but often it is extremely difficult to locate, and several visceral regions produce referred pain when damaged or inflamed, where the sensation is located in an area distant from the site of pathology or injury. Yeah. Neuropathic pain is divided into peripheral, originating in the peripheral nervous system, and central, originating in the brain or spinal cord. Peripheral neuropathic pain is often described as burning, tingling, electrical, stabbing, or pins and needles. Now the causes. Pathophysiology. Under persistent activation, the transmission of pain signals to the dorsal horn may produce a pain wind-up phenomenon. This triggers changes that lower the threshold for pain signals to be transmitted. In addition, and may cause non-nociceptive nerve fibers to respond to, generate, and transmit pain signals. The type of nerve fibers 
that are believed to generate the pain signals are the C fibers, since they have a slow conductivity and give rise to a painful sensation that persists over a long time. In chronic pain, this process is difficult to reverse or stop once established. In some cases, chronic pain can be caused by genetic factors which interfere with neuronal differentiation, leading to a permanently lowered threshold for pain. Chronic pain of different causes has been characterized as a disease that affects brain structure and function. MRI studies have shown abnormal anatomical and functional connectivity even during rest involving areas related to the processing of pain. Also, persistent pain has been shown to cause gray matter loss, which is reversible once the pain has resolved. Pain management is a branch of medicine that uses an interdisciplinary approach. The combined knowledge of various medical professions and allied health professions is used to ease pain and improve the quality of life of those living with pain. Acute pain usually resolves with the efforts of one practitioner. However, the management of chronic pain frequently requires the coordinated efforts of a treatment team. Complete long-term remission of many types of chronic pain is rare. Non-opioids as a therapy. Initially recommended efforts are non-opioid-based therapies. Non-opioid treatment of chronic pain with pharmaceutical medicines might include acetaminophen or NSAIDs. Various other non-opioid medicines can be used depending on whether the pain is a result of tissue damage or is neuropathic pain caused by a damaged or dysfunctional nervous system. In women with chronic pain, hormonal medications such as oral contraceptive pills, the pill, might be helpful. Because of weak evidence to support a single best fit, doctors must rely on their own clinical experience when treating chronic pain. It is difficult for doctors to predict who will use opioids just for pain management and who will go on to develop an addiction. It is also challenging for doctors to know which patients ask for opioids because they are living with an opioid addiction or pain. Withholding, interrupting, or withdrawing opioid treatment in people who benefit from it can cause harm. Interventional pain management may be appropriate, including techniques such as trigger point injections, neurolytic blocks, and radiotherapy. While there is no high-quality evidence to support ultrasound, it has been found to have a small effect on improving function in nonspecific chronic low back pain. Psychological treatments, including cognitive behavioral therapy and acceptance and commitment therapy, can be helpful for improving quality of life and reducing pain interference. Brief mindfulness-based treatment approaches have been used, but they are not yet recommended as a first-line treatment. The effectiveness of mindfulness-based pain management has been supported by a range of studies. Uh-huh. Among older adults, psychological interventions can help reduce pain and improve self-efficacy for pain management. Psychological treatments have been shown to be effective in children and teens with chronic headache or mixed chronic pain conditions. While exercise has been offered as a method to lessen chronic pain, and there is some evidence of benefit, the evidence is tentative. For people living with chronic pain, exercise results in few side effects. Hmm. As far as opioids are concerned, in those who have not benefited from other measures and have no history of either mental illness or substance use disorder, treatment with opioids may be tried. 
If significant benefit does not occur, it is recommended that they be stopped. In those on opioids, stopping or decreasing their use may improve outcomes including pain. Some people with chronic pain benefit from opioid treatment and others do not. Some are harmed by the treatment. Possible harms include reduced sex hormone production, hypogonadism, infertility, impaired immune system, falls and fractures in older adults, neonatal abstinence syndrome, heart problems, sleep disordered breathing, opioid-induced hyperalgesia, physical dependence, addiction, abuse, and overdose. Alternative medicines. Hypnosis, including self-hypnosis, has tentative evidence. Hypnosis specifically can offer pain relief for most people and may be a safe alternative to pharmaceutical medication. Evidence does not support hypnosis for chronic pain due to a spinal cord injury. Preliminary studies have found medical marijuana to be beneficial in treating neuropathic pain, but not other kinds of long-term pain. As of 2018, the evidence for its efficacy in treating neuropathic pain or pain associated with rheumatic diseases is not strong for any benefit and further research is needed. For chronic non-cancer pain, a recent study concluded that it is unlikely that cannabinoids are highly effective. However, more rigorous research into cannabis and cannabis-based medicines is needed, and I think there are a lot of volunteers willing to try. Tai Chi has been shown to improve pain, stiffness, and quality of life in chronic conditions such as osteoarthritis, low back pain, and osteoporosis. Acupuncture has also been found to be an effective and safe treatment in reducing pain and improving quality of life in chronic pain, including chronic pelvic pain syndrome. Transcranial magnetic stimulation for reduction of chronic pain is not supported for high-quality evidence, and the demonstrated effects are small and short-term. Spa therapy could potentially improve pain in patients with chronic lower back pain, but more studies are needed to improve stronger evidence of this. While some studies have investigated the efficacy of St. John's wort or nutmeg for treating neuropathic nerve pain, their findings have raised serious concerns about the accuracy of their results. Kinesiotape has not been shown to be effective in managing chronic nonspecific low back pain. Myofascial release has been used in some cases of fibromyalgia, chronic low back pain, and tennis elbow, but there is not enough evidence to support this as a method of treatment. The treatment I have experienced has been called rolfing, and in the hour that I have experienced it, it is 45 seconds of massage and 59 minutes and 15 seconds of Nazi torture. Epidemiology. Chronic pain varies in different countries affecting anywhere from 8 to 55.2% of the population. It affects women at a higher rate than men, and chronic pain uses a large amount of healthcare resources around the globe. A large-scale telephone survey of 15 European countries and Israel found that 19% of respondents over 18 years of age had suffered pain for more than six months, including the last month, and more than twice in the last week, with pain intensity of five or more for the last episode, on a scale of one, no pain, to ten, worst imaginable. 4,839 of these respondents with chronic pain were interviewed in depth. 66% scored their pain intensity at moderate, five to seven, 
and 34% at severe, 8 to 10. 46% had constant pain, 56% intermittent, 49% had suffered pain for 2 to 15 years, and 21% had been diagnosed with depression due to the pain. 61% were unable or less able to work outside the home, 19% had lost a job, and 13% had changed jobs due to their pain. 40% had inadequate pain management and less than 2% were seeing a pain management specialist. In the United States, chronic pain has been estimated to occur in approximately 35% of the population with approximately 50 million Americans experiencing partial or total disability as a consequence. According to the Institute of Medicine, there are about 116 million Americans living with chronic pain, which suggests that approximately half of American adults have some chronic pain condition. Half. The May Day Fund estimate of 70 million Americans with chronic pain is slightly more conservative. In an internet study, the prevalence of chronic pain in the United States was calculated to be 30.7% of the population, 34.3% for women, and 26.7% for men. In Canada, it is estimated that approximately one in five Canadians live with chronic pain and half of those people have lived with chronic pain for 10 years or longer. Chronic pain in Canada also occurs more and is more severe in women and Canada's indigenous communities. Outcomes. Sleep disturbance and insomnia due to medication and illness symptoms are often experienced by those with chronic pain. No kidding. These conditions can be difficult to treat due to high potential of medication interactions, especially when the conditions are treated by different doctors. Severe chronic pain is associated with increased risk of death over a 10-year period, oh joy, particularly from heart disease and respiratory disease. Several mechanisms have been proposed for this increase, such as an abnormal stress response in the body's endocrine system. Additionally, chronic stress seems to affect risk to heart and lung health by increasing how quickly plaque can build up on artery walls, arteriosclerosis. However, Further research is needed to clarify the relationship between severe chronic pain, stress, and cardiovascular health. Two of the most frequent personality profiles found in people with chronic pain by the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory are the conversion V or the conversion 5 and the neurotic triad. The conversion V personality expresses exaggerated concern over body feelings, develops bodily symptoms in response to stress, and often fails to recognize their own emotional state, including depression. The neurotic triad personality also recognizes exaggerated concern over body feelings and develops bodily symptoms in response to stress, but is demanding and complaining. Some investigators have argued that it is neuroticism that causes acute pain to turn chronic, but clinical evidence points the other way, to chronic pain causing neuroticism. When long-term pain is relieved by therapeutic intervention, scores on the neurotic triad and anxiety fall, often to normal levels. Self-esteem, often low in people with chronic pain, often shows improvement once pain has been resolved. It has been suggested that catastrophizing might play a role in the experience of pain. Pain catastrophizing is the tendency to describe a pain experience in more exaggerated terms than an average person, to think a great deal more about the pain when it occurs, 
or to feel more helpless about the experience. People who score highly on measures of catastrophization are likely to rate a pain experience as more intense than those who score low on such measures. It is often reasoned that the tendency to catastrophize causes the person to experience the pain as more intense. One suggestion is that catastrophizing influences pain perception through altering attention and anticipation and heightening emotional responses to pain. However, at least some aspects of catastrophization may be the product of an intense pain experience rather than its cause. That is, the more intense the pain feels to the person, the more likely they are to have thoughts about it that fit the definition of catastrophization. <laughs> Similar to the damaging effects seen with catastrophizing, perceived injustice is thought to contribute to the severity and duration of chronic pain. Pain-related injustice perception has been conceptualized as a cognitive appraisal reflecting the severity and irreparability of pain or injury-related loss. I just want my life back. And externalizing blame and unfairness. I am suffering because of someone else's negligence. It has been suggested that understanding problems with top-down processing cognitive appraisals can be used to better understand and treat this problem. Social support has important consequences for individuals with chronic pain. In particular, pain intensity, pain control, and resiliency to pain have been implicated as outcomes influenced by different levels and types of social support. Much of this research has focused on emotional, instrumental, tangible, and informational social support. People with persistent pain conditions tend to rely on their social support as a coping mechanism and therefore have better outcomes when they are part of a larger, more supportive social network. Across the majority of studies investigated, there was a direct significant association between social activities and social support and pain. Hmm, how about that? Higher levels of pain were associated with a decrease in social activities, lower levels of social support, and reduced social functioning. I think people feel isolated. Chronic pain's impact on cognition is an under-researched area, but several tentative conclusions have been published. Most people with chronic pain complain of cognitive impairments, such as forgetfulness, difficulty with attention, and difficulty completing tasks. Objective testing has found that people in chronic pain tend to experience impairment in attention, memory, mental flexibility, verbal ability, speed of response in a cognitive task, and speed in executing structured tasks. A review of studies in 2018 reports a relationship between people in chronic pain and abnormal results in tests of memory, attention, and processing speed. Oh, yeah. To sum up a few points. This is one of the most dreaded subjects ever to bring up in conversation. It is something everybody wants someone else to change the subject away from, steer away from discussing any personal pain issues. Empathy is a strange thing, especially when it comes to pain and pain management. There is a documentary called The OxyContin Express, and it originally appeared on the current network, which is no longer in business. And it gave an idea as to what the reality has been around pain and opioid addiction. How opioids became perverted perversions of pain relievers is addressed in this documentary. It is kind of frightening. People who don't experience pain 
or chronic pain, seem to think, I'll just reply by spouting something off the top of my head and that will take care of it. Or that's what it seems like to people who experience chronic pain. Which is insulting to anyone experiencing chronic pain. Or if you could see a broken bone in others, you might understand. But since you can't see chronic pain, it isn't something that others lend sympathy to readily. And I think I am like a lot of people who don't want sympathy, just a little more leeway. You still got to live your life. Nobody likes a crybaby. And people just don't know. It does make you a little less receptive to other people's minor complaints that seem to be blown out of proportion. Sort of like someone crying over a paper cut while you are dealing with a gunshot wound. It can go several ways, usually with the other parties either changing the subject or making excuses and quickly leaving. Nobody ever really wants to know how you are when they ask you. Also, it can be comparing symptoms and swapping doctor information. Also, discussing drugs. Opioids are there for a reason. They get abused for other reasons, a lot of which are closely connected to pain management. It does change your personality. You want things to be over with as soon as possible, and you want people to get out of the way. You have little patience for dawdling. You just want to get back to where you were and sit down. When people keep going on and show indifference to your pain, you just want them to shut up and go. It fogs your brain and your comprehension and your skills and your aptitude. Like me, you can experience chronic pain as a result of injury. I'm a victim of violence. 11 muggings, two gay bashings. I've been a passenger in seven car accidents. I have carpal tunnel, tendonitis, arthritis, three bulging, herniated, desiccated discs, sacrum, pelvis, and hips out of alignment, left thoracic scoliosis. Now, thoracic scoliosis is generally congenital. 98 to 98.5% of people with thoracic scoliosis is on the right side. 1% to 2% of people with thoracic scoliosis have it on the left side. That is a result of either a tumor, in which case you would have your eyes rolling in the back of your head and you wouldn't be able to sit up, or an injury. Now, one other thing about chronic pain is that it was quite often the result of repetitive stress. A work friend who did not think anyone understood what he was going through, and when I helped him, he could hardly believe it. He was a young man with a tremendous amount of hand pain, and he was a software engineer. I did everything I could to get him a standing desk, uh, wrist rests. Uh, I told him all about the, the wrist supports that you need to use uh, to go to sleep in. And, you know, he, he was actually kind of stunned that I understood. Older people suffer so much constant pain. I knew from my parents, almost everybody who was 72 or old and went to the doctors three days a week. And nobody wants to know. I've been seeing Turner Classic Movies, and the programming theme has been about people with disabilities. A guest mentioned that 80% of seniors live with a disability. They just can't be pain-free. So to sum it up, on top of everything else, there is so much disinformation and snake oil being sold on the Internet. I have seen advertisements for low-cost prescription medication, fortune-telling to help you cure your pain, metabolism snake oil, herbs that kill toenail fungus, blood pressure-lowering tea, 
knees hurt? Do this once daily. How to reverse brain shrinkage over 40. Men, you don't need Viagra if you do this once a day. Trending now, Dr. Oz reveals shocking weight loss secret. Breaking news, better than Adderall pill is taking the country by storm. Hymns treatment for ED. Trending news, take this before bed to melt your belly fat like crazy. The amazing new weight loss product that burns fat while you sleep. So, to sum it up, pain sucks. I hope you don't have to suffer this. Thanks for listening. See you next time. And as the kitties say, peace out.